Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Fresh Perspective here at Heavenward Thinking. Today, we're moving on from Romans chapter 8 and into the next portion of Romans, starting in chapter 9 with God's sovereign choice. So I'm going to read starting in verse 1, we'll go through the first 18 verses, and then talk about uh, this difficult topic today. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ, for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are of his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So as we move on from Romans chapter 8 and we transition here into uh, God's sovereign choice, uh, this is a difficult topic that a lot of people try to avoid or uh, get caught up in a lot of conflict over. How can we look at it in a way that doesn't get into the conflict or really just sees uh, God as sovereign? Uh, make it simple. God's going to do what he wants to do. Mm. I, I think that I think what happens here is we get confused, right? God is not in up in heaven tapping out people, right? And saying, hey, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. It, it, that's not what he's doing. God is outside of time. We don't understand that. He sees the beginning from the end. He's not beholden to time. So therefore, he looks, he sees it all. He knows who is going to eventually come to him and who isn't. That's that's mm. simplicity of it all. He knows who's going to come to him and who isn't. He uses both sets of people. He uses those that he knows are going to come to a saving knowledge through Jesus Christ of him. And he uses them to change the world. Mm. And he uses those that he knows are not going to come to him. Like it says about Pharaoh, he wrote, he raised it up. Pharaoh, right, for his purposes. He knew Pharaoh was not going to come to a saving knowledge, right? And so he used Pharaoh. That's what it says very simply here. He knew what was going to happen. He does that all the time, right? He, he knows what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. 
Absolutely. I think that you're right about the confusion because a lot of people come to this passage and in similar passages like this uh, and they see it as God's not fair. God's not uh, being fair to people because he's just picking and, and choosing. Like you mentioned, a lot of people really believe that God is just picking, oh, I like you. Oh, I don't really like you. And, and that there's this, it's where we get the concept of the elect and we, we say that it's just this limited people that God has already chosen to be saved and the rest, well, you're just doomed. And I think we get off track, like you said, when we make it a about that instead of saying that God is outside of time, that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He sees, like you said, the beginning and the end at the same time. All, time is irrelevant to him. It, it's very relevant to us, but to him, he's outside of time. He's not trapped in it like we are. And so when we look at what God does and how he works, uh, first we need to remember that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is uh, way above us, way outside of our understanding. Uh, so we don't really have the ability to say, well, that's not fair. There, you know, I don't like how this is. This doesn't seem right uh, because uh, we don't have that ability. God is uh, so much greater than we are and his ways are so much higher than our own ways. So I think we have to preface it with that. But then remember what you said about it's about God being outside of time. So he already knows what's going to happen. He already knows who is going to uh, take up the call to follow Jesus, who's going to do something with Jesus, and who's going to uh, reject the message of Christ and reject the message of the gospel. Uh, so I think that really simplifies it. As you mentioned, if we just get to the basics of this, then we don't get caught up in all the crazy, endless theological debate that really gets us nowhere and only turns people away. Well, you know, we, we get caught up in a loving God. Right, and God loves everybody, so He would choose everybody. That, that's a true statement. But the problem is, it's not about who He would choose; it's about who chooses Him. Mm. And He simply knows that there are people who just aren't going to choose Him. And so then you look at that and you say, "Well, would a loving God allow people who aren't ever going to choose Him to still be breathing? Mm. Like, why, why wouldn't He take them out? And, and He doesn't. He lets them. He lets for most of the time." He lets them live and he lets them, them keep going and all of these kind of things. But if God, if all of us are set aside for God's purposes and he knows that some people aren't going to choose him, then does that mean he can't use those people? Well, that's ridiculous. He uses, and the, in the, the, uh, prophecy tells us he's going to use all kinds of evil people mm. and, and sick people and demented people to accomplish his purposes. He's always done that. He will always do that, right? He gets to use us for his purposes. And that's important. He has the master plan. He knows what he's going to do with all of that, right? And, and I think that it's a concept that when we talk about a loving God, we can't even imagine that a loving God would harden anybody's heart. But if you look at Revelation, you can't get through that without without knowing he's going to harden people's hearts. Mm. He's going to use them to to bring judgment on this world. Absolutely. I think it's important that we look at that, that God's not just using those of us who are choosing to follow him. He's using all of us in, in different ways. And uh, as you said, he doesn't, he doesn't want any of us to perish. I, I think of the uh, scriptures that say he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But it really comes, as you mentioned, with we have to choose him. He's chosen all of us. He sent his son into the world to save the world. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But then we have to look at, uh, are we going to choose that? Are we going to respond? Because God already has done his part of loving. Yes, there is a very loving God. He sent his own son to die for us. Uh, but that 
doesn't get us off the hook. It doesn't just mean that it's an instant salvation. We have to do something with Jesus. We have to make a response to what God's already done for us. Everyone gets the choice, uh, but it's a choice that we each make daily, that we each have a choice to make. If we don't uh, choose to follow Jesus, then we're not (laughs) being treated unfairly. Uh, God's going to still use us in a way, but he might harden our hearts if we don't choose to follow Jesus. Yeah, I think that, you know, we look at the example that was given here about Pharaoh and we say, how frustrating must it have been for Moses, right? Ten times going to Pharaoh, right? Ten times hoping that his heart would change, that he would let his people, you know, Moses' people go. And and he didn't. He didn't any of those times. It says God hearted. Because why? Because God had a plan out here, mm. right, that was much bigger uh, than, than what anybody could imagine. And I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're looking at it and we're thinking, why doesn't God answer this prayer? Why God doesn't God do this? And then he moves things around and he uses people and he does all kinds of things for a much bigger purpose, mm. right? I, I love the first part of this because it speaks really to replacement theology, which I get really, mm. really tired of. And it's really simple. Uh, Paul <laughs> says, listen, uh, this doesn't replace the Jews. Mm. The, the Jews got the covenant. They got the promises. They got all of the, all of the things, right? Matter of fact, our, our promises come through Abraham. And I love what he kind of, you know, insinuates here is, uh, like, wouldn't it be kind of funny, you know, like kind of terrible if God used the Jewish people to get Jesus, got Jesus, and then without, oh, yep, you're totally useless now. <laughs> You know, like, who, like, is that the way that we would want to be treated? Mm. Would we want to be treated by God by like, hey, I'm going to use you up to this person. Oh, you're, you're just, you're no longer useful, right? Mm. It's important for us to understand the new covenant, right? It, it, it's a new way of doing things that includes the Gentiles, right? Mm. In a very real, intangible way. The old covenant included the, the Gentiles. They just had to come and be Jewish in nature. But I think that we we have a lot of churches, we have a lot of people who believe that the Jewish people have been cast aside because they rejected God, right? Mm. Well, we might want to be really careful about that because we have a lot of people who are rejecting God right now. And you might not want to think that whole thing through about being cast aside. Mm, absolutely. I know a lot of people really truly believe that we're, as the church, we're this new Israel. And that, that means that the old uh, Jewish people, the, the Jewish uh nation is irrelevant as you mentioned that we, we just discard them we go well they they killed jesus uh and we, we see throughout history how the the church even persecuted jewish people uh because of their uh, they killed jesus but the ultimate thing is we all would have done it we, jesus had to die for each and every run, one of us whether we're a jew or gentile and, and paul is very clear throughout the new testament i don't know how anyone can get to the point of thinking that the jewish people are irrelevant or cast aside because he over and over emphasizes it's for the jew first the jew first it starts with the Jews. God used the Jews first, and he, he's not done with them yet. And he makes that clear later on in, in the end of this chapter and the next chapter, that God's not done with the Jewish people. If you read Revelation, he's definitely not done with them. So we need to be very careful as Christians uh, that we don't uh, just discard the Jewish people and that we don't change Scripture to fit uh, the church instead of the Jewish people. We need, we need to be very careful about that. Yes, we have all been given uh, grace through Jesus Christ. We've all been given the gift of salvation through Jesus if we've accepted him as Lord and made him the Lord of our lives. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we uh, get to just 
fit ourselves in to what the promises are for the Jewish people. So we need to make sure that we're, we're very specific about that and we, and we respect that God is still doing something with his people whom he called. Uh, even though he's working through us in, in the broader sense of the church, there's still specific things that we need to make sure that we're careful to interpret in context of scripture, not just however we feel like fits our theology. Amen. So hopefully you've been challenged by this this week, and we're going to finish up this chapter next week as we conclude Romans 9 and start Romans 10. So join us next time for another episode of From the Beginning here at Heavenward Thinking.